0: Tactical Sports Takes, inbound. Who the fuck is that guy? Beat him off. Stomp on his head as he's unconscious. Five-tool commentator. He's the Willie Mays of sports <laughs> broadcasting. It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello everyone and welcome to the Owen Ely Show. I'm your host Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely M N. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North M I N. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarSports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Friday, December 17th, as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Lewis versus Dawkus, which will take place tomorrow, Saturday, December 18th uh, at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, as always, great to be back with you guys. Uh, very fun to close out the, uh, 2021 calendar year and, uh, can't wait for a a fresh slate of, uh, UFC events in 2022. Um, been a very, very good stretch here in quarter four for the UFC and, um, you know typically quarter one is is pretty slow i mean it's it's generally pretty slow we are gonna have uh in and gone and you know maybe at 272 we'll have uh poirier and diaz but uh you know you gotta you gotta enjoy the mma while it's good because uh you know historically historically in january and february uh you know not exactly banner months for the uh, the ufc um yeah, then that's that's pretty much it. I'm just I'm just uh, kind of chuckling because uh, you know there's a massive void as we close at the end of the year, uh, where I don't think the UFC's back for like four weeks, um, and that's uh, that's a long time. I don't know what I'll do. I'll probably just kill myself. I mean I don't know what I'll do for that that four weeks. Probably just you know uh, choke myself with piano wire <laughs> and and take razor blades to my wrist. I mean, I really don't know what self-destructive uh, things I'll do during this uh, abyss. I'll probably just stare at a wall for four weeks until the UFC comes back. I mean, it's going to get real dark. I mean, I'll probably just I'll probably just punch a stud in the wall repeatedly uh, for four weeks and uh, just turn the bones in my in my hands to to jelly. Uh, so I don't know what fresh hell awaits. In the uh, in the dark times, but uh, you know we're not quite there yet, so I don't have to think about it. You know we still have we still have tomorrow, and I don't know. I, you know I don't know. I guess Fight Pass is a thing. I was gonna go back and watch some old fights on uh, on Fight Pass. We also have um, Woodley and Paul too tomorrow. Uh, I thought about previewing that. There's really nothing to preview. I mean, Jake Paul is probably gonna win again. Jake Paul won that first fight. Uh, I'm hoping. I'm really, really hoping Woodley knocks him out uh, like I did the first time. Um, but uh, I'm not going to get my hopes up. But I will be tuning in. But, and there's a lot of college football. Um, a lot of college football tomorrow too. So yeah, you know, it's what it is. NFL is shutting down because of COVID. So you know, we're in interesting times. Uh, but uh, we got we got we got to focus on the task at hand here. Previewing this uh, this this final UFC event. Um, we do have updated rankings, so you can check them out at the uh, the website. We will have the MMA awards, uh, year-end awards tomorrow. I got to figure that shit out, and it's gonna be a major hassle. A lot of a lot of research because I don't like to be incorrect. I really try to get every single category correct, so got a lot of research. Um, but it is what it is, you know. Again, like I said on the last show, I thought it was really funny that they did the year-end events on like fucking December 10th, and it's like. Uh, yeah there's two more events still to go like you know what i mean so i always found that kind of ridiculous we'd rather be right than first you know what i mean so we're not going to do year end awards in fucking july just to beat everybody it's like you know we got half a year to go so you know is what it is you know I, I i just let clowns be bozos i mean you know you know how it is you know i can't i can't control the the clown members of the media who want to want to jump the gun, you know, the mailman is a straight shooter, so the mailman's going to get it right. You know, as he sinks in this this corner 3 of uh of of th- that is the the 2021, you know, North Star Sports MMA Awards and, you know what I mean, it's the gold standard. You know, so it is what it is. Um I think that's all I have. It will probably do the main card showdown. Um but uh, I don't think there's any more housekeeping, so uh, we can get right into this uh, main event here. Derek Lewis taking on Chris Dawkus. Uh, Lewis, 25 and 8. Dawkus, 12 and 3. Uh, Lewis, I believe, is 3. And Dawkus is 7 in the UFC's rankings. We have Docus at 6. And uh, Lewis at 3. So a m- minor, minor disagreement on the, uh, the rankings is what it is. Uh, looking at the odds uh, via Odds Shark, uh, which I believe come from uh, Bovada, uh, Dawkus is going to be the minus one forty favorite. Uh, interesting that they would make him the favorite. I was thinking about Chris Daw- Dawkus re- recently, and um, I was go- I was going over his record, and he's twelve and three, and I just I just kind of I just kind of thought, wow, this guy has three losses. Because, which is so weird to me. Like, because, you know, he got signed to the UFC, I think, in August of last year. And he's looked so fucking good in the UFC. I was like, 12-3? and 12-3 is not that impressive. What's the deal with this guy again? You know, obviously, I know who Chris Dawkus is. But I can't believe he has three losses on the regional scene. I guess he really fucking embodies you know, regional MMA, like, you know, learning from your mistakes and and and, and whatnot, because, it, it, like, when you watch him, he's flawless. Now, again, you know, it's not the toughest competition in the world. You know, you got two easy wins against Parker Porter and Rodrigo Nascimento. Olenek is known to fold in striking exchanges, but, you know, obviously... uh Honestly, kind of a legend of the sport, because that dude has, has been fighting before 9-11, so kind of a legend of the sport with his longevity, and then he just fucking murked Shamil abder I mean, just fucking folded him, knocked him out twice in that fight really, it should have been stopped the first time um, so it, it is 4, he is 4-0, and again, you don't want to put the cart before the horse because this is like a major step up, I mean, holy shit, I mean Shamil and Alexio Linick are like tier two fighters i mean Derek lewis is like a tier four fighter like that's a f- massive massive jump up so if he fucks up Derek lewis i mean that might as well give him a title shot at that point i mean that really speaks volumes if, if you can get past Derek lewis in your in your fifth fight you know uh but again kind of kind of weird they would make him the uh the the, the favorite i don't I don't quite understand that although you know full transparent full trans uh holy shit English is my second language so you got you'll have to you'll have to pause with me here but uh full transparency uh I am picking Dawkins to win this fight um I've been wrong before on Derek Lewis fights especially the Curtis Blades fight I really thought Curtis was going to smoke him um but I like Chris Dawkins. I think he's. I think he's more talented. Uh, he he has um, an abnormally high striking IQ for someone with as little experience, uh, and as little time in the UFC as as he has. Um, he, he seems to be durable. He's gonna have a ground advantage. Uh, you know, grappling advantage uh, against Derek Lewis. But the 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 one hesitation I have with picking against Derrick Lewis is. He's so unconventional. I mean, he's really like uh, an anomaly, to be honest with you. Like, he might be the biggest anomaly uh, in the sport. Well, okay, I'm not going to go that far. But he might be the biggest. He's the biggest anomaly in the heavyweight division because it's like... um, if If you ever hated technique and cardio and hated BJJ and hated wrestling and thought it was a bunch of uh, malarkey, Derek Lewis is your perfect example where it's like, yeah, Derek Lewis could be dog-tired like he was against Alexander Volkov and just fucking knock him out and win the fight in, in the last seconds, in the waning seconds of the fight. You know, cardio doesn't, doesn't seem to matter with Derek Lewis. Um, you, you, you've probably seen those clips going around on twitter or youtube or you know whatever you know video social media platform uh you you choose to follow uh of Derek lewis just standing up when he's on the ground like you're wrestling him you're in uh half guard or something and and Derek lewis just stands up and it's like what the fuck you're not supposed to be able to do that i mean like i thought i thought bjj worked i thought bjj was a thing so it's like Derek Lewis just says, "Nah, fuck BJJ. I'm gonna stand up." So like, y- you can look at all this like technical stuff, and it's like, ah, oh, it's, it's just sometimes Derek Lewis just says, "Fuck it," and you can't really account for for that in the in the mathematical equation that you're running through your head about who's gonna win this fight. So it's almost kind of funny analyzing this main event because it's like it's like doing your calculations in like the sand and a tidal wave just fucking crashes over it like it's i don't know like it's it's almost ironic trying to preview this fight because derrick lewis could just say fuck it and knock him out with a fucking wild overhand right or a, a counter uppercut as Dawkins dives for a takedown so uh i'm not going to dwell on it too much uh because i mean i think the beauty of this fight is that we don't know what we don't know like it, it, it's uh it's it's interesting. Um, I, I think this fight's gonna last a lot longer than um, <clears throat> excuse me. I think this fight's gonna last a lot longer than people might realize. I, I saw that the prop bets were obviously very heavy in in favor of a knockout in in round one and round two, and then progressively worse uh, odds or better, I guess, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, progressively longer odds is probably a better way to put it of the knockout happening later in the fight I think this fight could probably go into round 3 or round 4 I don't think this fight goes the distance but I don't think uh, a finish happens in round 1 or round 2 it's kind of a weird thing to say that I I think a finish will happen a finish will happen it will not reach the final bell but it's not going to be early it certainly can happen early 'cause they have power. But what what I think is probably gonna happen is Derek Lewis is just like um like you know when you play Modern Warfare 2 and you you get like those base perks or whatever, like just whatever perks you start out with, and then like you get like bling and then like you get bling pro, like you upgraded the fucking perk. Like that that's basically the same thing with Jairzinho Rosenstrike. And Derek Lewis, like Derek Lewis, is just the slightly upgraded version of Jairzinho Rosenstrike. Like Derek Lewis is perfectly content with losing rounds. He's perfectly con- content losing every single minute of the fight until he wins the fight. Like Derek Lewis is not trying to win by outpointing anybody or out-s- outscoring anybody. Like he's the exact fucking opposite of like Wonderboy Thompson, super inactive and just looking for one punch. And if it takes him 12 boring minutes. Uh, before he lands that one punch that turns the lights out he's totally cool with doing that you know what I mean so I think Dawkins, because he has a, a high fight IQ he's not he's not going to push it he's not going to he, he's going to be very calculated with how he tries to deal with Derek Lewis because he saw what happened to Curtis Blades um, I think un, I think unless, unless a takedown is just perfectly there for the taking uh, I don't think Dawkus is going to force a takedown because he doesn't want to f- get severe fucking CTE from an uppercut uh, on, on a takedown. So, I, like, I actually think it's going to be quite a boring fight uh, for as long as it lasts until the final 30 seconds of whenever the, the finishing sequence starts. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of just whoever can make the, the first mistake— you know, whoever makes the first mistake is is probably getting knocked out. And Dawkins does have good power too, and we, you know, we saw that especially in the um, the Parker Porter fight. Obviously, that's a way low, way lower level fighter. But and and you know, Derek Lewis is going to have that power advantage. But they're both powerful. Uh, Dawkins might Docus might be a little more relentless uh, in finishing, probably out of necessity because you know Derek Lewis usually in any punch after the first punch is just excessive because the first punch does the job uh, but it, it's really going to be who makes the mistake first so I, I kind of picture this being a pretty boring main event but the finish will happen and I think Dawkus, uh is going to get the finish I don't know uh, exactly how he does it I'd say he probably takes him down uh, I would say a smart strategy for Dawkins is to fight at range and just find a way to tire out Derek Lewis because Derek Lewis's gas tank is just Garbage. It's, it's awful, and that's not really something you can fix. He, if he could fix it, he would have fixed it by now. I mean, Derek Lewis is a terrible gas tank. But you have to commend Derek Lewis because um, he does the most with what he has. Like, his fighting style is perfectly adapted to highlight his strengths and to try to mask up his weaknesses. Like, his weakness is cardio and grappling. Okay? Well, the the grappling, he has the fucking counter uppercut. So you got to be really careful about shooting takedowns and shit like that. And the cardio, he just doesn't do anything. Like I said, he'll sit there for 12 minutes doing absolutely nothing, just waiting for that perfect counter uh, strike. So like, oh, cardio's an issue. I'm just not going to do anything. You know what I mean, and good on him because he he realized that. Like he works he works very smartly within his limitations, um, but uh, you know it doesn't exactly make for uh, an exciting fight. And uh, I, yeah, I think Doc is is kind of a special fighter. You know, I kind of get a special vibe from him. I mean, this is a really when you think about it, when you think about the fact that he was signed in August of last year, this is a really really meteoric rise that I don't really think a lot of people are talking about. Um, But, you know, if and when he pulls off the, uh, well, if not the betting odds upset, certainly the conventional, um, you know, totem pole uh, upset, I mean, he's going to be right up there. He's going to be right up there. Uh, I'd say the the finish happens in round four, so I'm going to go Dacus round four uh, TKO. All right, going to move on here to the co main event. We'll have an interesting uh, welterweight matchup here between Steven Wonderboy Thompson and Bilal Muhammad. Thompson is 16 5 and 1, Muhammad 19 and 3. Looking at the odds, Thompson is the minus 210 favorite. Um, interesting, interesting matchup. Uh, very, very tough fight for Bilal Muhammad. Uh, I I, I I guess i guess I got to be careful with my words because I, I thought it was impossible that Juliana Peña would beat Amanda Nunes. so bigger upsets have happened. But uh, this is the mailman's lock of the week, uh, Wonderboy Thompson. I mean, I just don't see how he loses. You know, hopefully there's not a mailman curse uh, developing here, but um, Bilal is just... It, it's like I talked about on the recap show for the pay-per-view, the last pay-per-view. Um, it's... Bilal Muhammad is the Dan Ige of the welterweight division he's the Pedro Munoz of the welterweight division he's a very well-rounded fighter probably probably like a b-minus he's probably a b-minus in striking b-minus in cardio b-minus in grappling just very well-rounded very well-rounded and above average so uh, uh, you know a tough fight and he's 100% effort his effort is amazing nobody will ever question Bilal Muhammad's effort um, but that only gets you so far and this is where this is where the dollar stops with Bilal Muhammad because you're going up against an A-plus striker with A-plus footwork and A-plus defense and A-minus takedown defense so I, I quite honestly outside of Wonderboy Thompson fucking snapping his leg in half Chris Weidman style I really, really don't know how Bilal wins And because c- I, was, I was thinking about this earlier like, how does he win? Does he knock Wonderboy Thompson out? That would surprise the shit out of me. That might be the fucking most surprising thing to happen this year if Bilal Muhammad one-punched Wonderboy Thompson. Wonderboy Thompson has only ever been got once by Anthony Pettis, and that was just kind of a weird fluke. I mean, he, that just doesn't happen, and Bilal is not somebody who has one-punch knockout power. He's never he's never shown that. Um, Bilal is a slightly above average grappler like if, if if the fight started on the ground and they were both grappling i'd probably give the advantage to Bilal. but how are you going to take wonder boy thompson down that's really really hard to do his footwork is amazing he can dip in and out his his distance management is is really really good and his takedown defense is 73 percent and keep in mind that you know 73% is pretty high but obviously there's been higher you know Bilal Muhammad's takedown defense is 91% but Wonderboy's not shooting for takedown on on Muhammad but it's like keep in mind Wonderboy Thompson like that includes fights with like twice with Tyron Woodley and and you know with Luke A and like with some pretty good grapplers so against like the highest level of the sport his takedown defense is still 73% so you're 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 not going to take him down so you're not going to take him down and do anything on the ground and you're not going to knock him out with one punch. So that the only way to win a fight <laughs> by if those two things are true, the only way to win a fight is to outstrike Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and win a decision. Good fucking luck. Good luck. That might be the hardest thing on the fucking planet to out a, to tr- to try to outtouch Wonderboy Thompson cuz that's essentially what it comes down to to win a decision if you can't do if those two avenues are blocked. So, I just have... I I, I honestly can't even come up with a scenario that below Muhammad wins. Like, it it doesn't even jive in my head uh, that that's possible. I mean, I don't know. Just really, really pressuring him, which is a fucking bad idea because you're going to get knocked out, but really really pressuring wonder boy thompson and into a corner guessing right on which direction he goes and shooting for a takedown or a, a clinch situation and then trying to work for a submission i mean that's uh, that's probably your your best path to victory but way way easier said than done i mean i just i have no idea how you outstrike wonder boy thompson so i again mailman's lock of the week on this one uh you know and 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 Thompson, MMA, MMA math doesn't always work out, but but sometimes it's kind of worth noting. But it's like Wonder Boys turned so many people back. I mean, so look at look at these three guys. Look at Vincente Luque, Jeff Neal, and Bilal Muhammad. Okay, Thompson's gonna face Bilal Muhammad. He he turned back Jeff Neal, who's probably a, who's a more dangerous fighter than Bilal Muhammad. He's, he's certainly. More powerful, a one-punch knockout is possible with Jeff Neal. Just completely demolished him. I mean, there wasn't a second of that of that fight where you thought Jeff Neal was going to win. Just completely tuned him up. You know, it, it, there, You know, I'm not trying to make it sound like there was a every single round was a 10-8, but every single round was handedly won by Wonderboy Thompson. He tuned him up. You know, Vincente Luque. Who do you think had a better shot of beating Wonderboy Thompson, Vincente Luque or Bilal Muhammad? Vincente Luque has got a fucking chin of granite uh he's very dangerous on the ground and, and uh you know he punches hard and you know another master class from wonder boy thompson he couldn't get past him i mean you know you have to be a real you have to be a real high level fighter to get past wonder boy thompson and again i think Paloma muhammad is a very well-rounded b minus with effort and uh if he, if he somehow beat Wonderboy Thompson, that, that would completely change my opinion of Bilal Muhammad. So, you know, I'm not trying to, trying to make it seem like uh, I'm an MMA god and I know exactly the outcome of this fight. You know, stranger things have happened, but man, I would just be floored, floored if, if he beat Wonderboy Thompson. All right, we're going to move on to the featured bout. Uh, unfortunately, it's a, a strawweight matchup here between Amanda Lemos and Angela Hill, so it'll be an absolute snooze fest. Uh, Lemos 10 1 and 1, Hill 13 and 10. Stellar record, real, real contender. Uh, Amanda Lemos is the minus 300 favorite. Uh, probably pretty fair. I don't really know who's going to win this fight, to be honest. I haven't thought about this fight uh at all amanda lemos is uh 34 so she's surprisingly uh surprisingly up there in age uh four fight winning streak here in the ufc lost her debut to uh leslie smith and she's had two finishes in uh in in round one in her last two fights had that really awesome knockout against lavinia souza and then a 35 second knockout of montserrat ruiz so you don't really see that on the female side of things Uh, you know very dangerous striker really a powerful striker for strawweight which obviously is a division that has the least amount of power in the UFC but for what she's working with she she does have uh, you know pretty hard hitting hands Um, Angela Hill obviously a a striker so you know I don't don't know who the better striker is but I certainly know who's more powerful Uh, there's there's no question about that uh Angela Hill lost her last fight to Tisha Torres she's lost three of her last four um that little win streak she had that three-fight win streak was over probably the lowest level competition you possibly could have in the UFC Carnelosi, Cyphers and uh Luke Boonmi. so I-, I never really bought into the hype on Angela Hill I don't think she's that good of a fighter I think she's Courtney Casey with better uh more favorable matchmaking and uh i, I- this you know what uh, lock of the week amanda limos on angela hill i'm going to do two lock of the weeks uh because i've been neglecting to do those but i feel very strongly in almost every single fight picking against angela hill uh especially you know when when she's not matched up against a absolute cupcake so uh we'll go amanda limos round you know round one knockout round one not round two actually round two round two i don't want to i don't want to get too excited there round round two All right, moving on. Still on the main card, uh, we'll have Rafael Asunsao taking on Ricky Simone in the Bantamweight Division. Asunsao 27 and 8. Ricky Simone 18 and 3. We'll take a look at the odds. Simone, pretty moderate favorite here, minus 275. Um, This is kind of it for uh, Rafael Asunsao. Amazingly. Amazingly, the UFC has Rafael Assuncao at number 12 in the bantamweight division. That is just beyond reckless. That's absolutely insane to have a... We don't even have him in the rankings. That is insane. He's on a three-fight losing streak, been knocked out in two of them, hasn't fought in 18 months, and his last win came three... about three and a half years ago. So how the fuck this guy is in the rankings is just criminal. I mean just insane. Um he probably gets cut if he loses this fight. Uh and this 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 is really to figure out um if he's totally washed. Uh he's 39 years old. Holy shit. That I mean that is ridiculous for a bantamweight. That is insane. I mean you're you're you've outlasted the cliff if you're 35 in the bantamweight division. I mean 39 is just insane. Um, and, and definitely factors in to this fight. Uh, Ricky Simone, 29, so he's going to be a decade younger, three-fight winning streak. Uh, had a, a win over uh, Ray Borg, Brian Kelleher. So, you know, he's beating some scrappy guys here in the bantamweight division. Um, I, I don't really I don't really think a whole ton about Ricky Simone, to be honest with you. He should have lost that fight with Mirab. Uh, got knocked out by uh, Uriah Faber, uh, lost to Rob Font. I, I, it seems like he's gotten a disproportionate amount of promotion in his career, especially before those two losses. So I don't really know what the deal is with Ricky Simone. I don't really know why he's so highly or was so highly touted. I never quite, uh, figured that out. Um, one hell of a mullet, though. Gotta be honest, one hell of a mullet. Um, the the stats look good for a sun but obviously, you know, the, the this is a sun of yesteryear for sure. I mean, the the stats in his last fights, I'm sure, would just be, you know, awful. Absolutely uh awful. And and, you know, it, it's gonna be a good win for Simone. I, I, I really don't care how the win happens, but I think it'll happen. It really any way Simone wa- wants. Uh, you know, I think Sun is pretty washed. Uh, you know, and, you know, rest in peace to his career. I mean a sun uh, Sun Sunsell for the longest time was like the unsung guy in that bantamweight division. Like, it, it's 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 kind of crazy that um, that he never managed to get a title shot. Uh, obviously, if he would have won against T.J. Dillashaw at UFC 200, he would have got a title shot. But uh, man, there was quite quite a stretch where a Sunsell was was really good. I mean, he won, holy shit, 12 of 13 at one point in, in, in the UFC. He won 12, 12 fights in a 13-fight in a stretch, and the only loss was to T.J. Dillashaw. Had a, I mean, you look at his resume, honestly, he's one of the most underrated fighters in UFC history. I mean, he's got wins over uh, Rob Font, Marlon Moraes, Aljamain Sterling, uh, Pedro Munoz, T.J. Dillashaw, um... And uh, that's the one I was looking for. And he has a win over Jorge Masvidal as well. As fucking funny as that is, back in 2005 on the Georgia regional scene, I believe the fight took place at lightweight. So somehow, Asuncio ballooned up to lightweight. He has a fucking win over. Oh, and a win over Joe Lozon too. He has a win over Joe Lozon and Jorge Masvidal. So like this guy's resume is rock solid. But you know this this also isn't 2013. Uh, so he's going to have a tough time against a guy who's uh, you know a full decade younger than him. Uh, but I'll, I'll go Ricky Simone by unanimous decision. I don't I don't I don't know if he finishes him. All right, moving on. Still on the main card, we have Diego Fajeda versus Mateus Gamrot. Fajeda is 17 and 4, Gamrot 19 and 1. We'll take a look at the odds for this one. Gamrot the minus 180 favorite. Uh, we'll also look at the rankings for this one uh we will have uh Diego fajeda oh excuse me we will have Diego fajeda uh, at number twelve uh so a, a really big chance here for uh the the poll uh, Gamrat to to kinda not just break into the top 15 but you know be right on the doorstep of the top ten so you know, great matchmaking would put him ahead of Armand Saruki and Brad Riddell and, and Joel Alvarez in our rankings, assuming we want to put him at 12. Uh, we might not, but either way, um, really big fight, really tough test, too, uh, against uh, Carlos Diego Fajeda, um, kind of another unheralded guy in, in that lightweight division. Uh, was, on, was on quite a quite a good winning streak, and you look at this guy's losses. He's got four losses in the UFC A lot of wins in the UFC too many for me to count because I'm too lazy Uh, but two losses to Benil Dariush a loss to Dustin Poirier and a loss to Gregor Gillespie so this guy doesn't just lose to anybody I mean you know when you're when when you're looking at the whole package you know sometimes you got to consider you know the the gatekeeping element and this guy certainly is uh, kind of a gatekeeper because you know you're it really says a lot about you if you beat uh, Diego Fajeda even if people even if people don't realize it. that is the, the the reality um, he he is on a two fight losing streak. So the, the, that lost to Dariush, the second one, and then the loss to Gillespie are his last two uh, uh, fights. Um, but a, a real a real he's a real tricky guy to fight, and he's uh, very very well rounded. He's he's a, he's a real fluid fighter. I really saw that in the Dariush fight. Uh, even though he lost that fight, and I, I definitely thought he lost that fight. I thought Dariush won. But I was just I was just surprised that you know that fight took place everywhere. I mean, there was clinching, there was a lot of rolling on the ground. Uh, you know, there were striking exchanges. You know, he's really comfortable uh, anywhere the the fight goes, and that you know that's evident when you look at his finishes. I mean, he's got uh, you know a bunch of finishes on the feet, but he's you know he's got that submission of Anthony Pettis. So, you know, he he's a really tough fighter wherever the fight goes, and on the ground, especially against Darius, who's a super underrated uh, jujitsu uh, guy practitioner. We will use the fancy word. Uh, he's he's super slick too. He's really slick on the ground. I don't think that's going to be a, a spot where Gamrot is going to want to take this fight. I view Gamrot uh, as as a striker. I could be wrong. Uh, obviously, he's kind of new to the to the UFC, so I don't. You know, I didn't watch a whole lot of fucking KSW. But uh, in the three UFC fights I've seen with him, he definitely seems like he's more of a striker. So, uh, you know, while, while Diego Fajeda is, is probably comfortable anywhere the fight goes, I would imagine he would want to take this fight to the ground. Gamrot probably wants to keep this fight on the feet. He's coming off of uh, uh, two straight finishes over uh, Scott Holtzman and Jeremy Stevens, uh, and, and, and actually won that Jeremy Stevens fight in, in 65 seconds with a Kimura. Uh, lost his his debut to Guram Kutateladze via split decision. I I agree with that. I th- I thought you know some people kind of thought that was a little controversial and and thought that Gamrot won. I really didn't think so. I thought and I was rooting for Gamrot too. So you know how that goes when you're rooting for somebody. You generally find every excuse why they won. I was rooting for Gamrot and to be honest, I thought Kutateladze had had won that fight. So I agreed with the judges. But uh, you know minus that little uh, hiccup, he's he's. Finished fights pretty fucking quickly uh, in in the UFC and and Fie- you know Diego Fajeda has been finished in two of his four losses so um, I think Gamrot probably knocks him out in round two um, yeah I just think he's I, I just think he's the better striker again that comes down to strength versus uh, weaknesses and and you know while again feels like I keep saying it but while uh, you know. Diego Fajeda might be the more well-rounded fighter I think Gamrot's striking is real real dangerous and and uh you know he, he's an opportunist as, as we saw in that Jeremy Stevens fight so uh I, I like Gamrot to, to win this one and I actually think Gamrot could go pretty I actually think he'd go pretty far here in, in the uh in the lightweight division so I'm kind of curious to see uh you know what his trajectory looks like all right Moving on here to the main card opener. We'll have a featherweight fight here between Darren Elkins and Cub Swanson. Elkins 26-9, and 9, Cub Swanson 27-12. and 12. We'll take a look at the odds for this one. Cub Swanson, the, uh, well, I guess moderate at that point, minus 190 favorite. Um, very appropriate matchmaking. I love this. You know, two long-in-the-tooth veterans uh, you know, seems, seems very appropriate. I don't know if Darren Elkins fought in the uh, WEC, uh, I guess that was a little before his time, but, uh, you know, this seems, this seems like a, a real, uh, you know, tough, gritty matchup between two veterans. No need to feed Cub Swanson to a fucking shark. No need to, you know, feed Darren Elkins to a shark, you know, very, uh, appropriate. Uh, the damage is, uh, 37, two fight winning streak. Uh, over Derek Minner and Eduardo Garagori had a pretty gnarly four-fight skid there. Uh, Volkanovski, Lamas, Hall, and Landwehr. Um, but he's just a fucking tough guy. He's a tough guy, and he's, he's awfully hard to put away. Uh, you know, Ricardo Lamas put him away, but uh, he, he takes a lot more damage than, uh, than, than he dishes out, and uh, that's, that's saying a lot, but he's uh, an exciting fighter to watch uh no doubt and uh cub swanson uh fan favorite 38 years old long in the uh long of the tooth uh he fought seven months ago where he got knocked out by giga Chikadze. i, I thought that was way way further in the past that's kind of weird how uh, time uh how time moves but he's uh he's lost five of his last seven uh, you know, he turned back uh, Kron Gracie in, in what was uh, terrible matchmaking. I believe that was UFC Tampa. And then he knocked out Daniel Pineda. Uh, you know, I, I really don't know. I really don't know who's going to win this. Uh, I guess the odds are, are kind of a pretty good indication that, uh, you know, general sentiment is Swanson is going to win this. You know, I'm not so sure that Darren Elkins isn't, isn't going to win this fight. I don't, you know. I really don't know. I mean I might I might just I'll flip my phone for this one. Okay, I'll go Darren Elkins. I'll go Darren Elkins by um let's see. I'll go I'll go decision. Gritty gritty decision. Uh that's it's really a coin flip as far as uh as far as I'm concerned. Alright, we're moving on to the prelims. Uh kind of go pretty quickly through some of these some of these prelims because they're uh, uh, you know relatively um, insignificant or you know there's not a whole lot of tape on uh, some of these people not a whole lot of opinions uh, in the prelim headliner we'll have Gerald Mearshart taking on Dustin Stoltzfus uh, Mearshart 33 and 14 Stoltzfus is uh, 13 and 3 Mearshart the minus 230 favorite uh, I, I like that I like that. Uh, I'm going to take uh, GM3. I actually, I actually think that he gets a um, uh, another submission. I think he gets a submission here over over uh, uh, Stoltzfus. Um, you know, just a very overlooked fighter. He is coming off of that really nice upset win of uh, Mahmoud Muradov. Um, so, you know, he, he's still got it. And this is a guy who takes tough fights. You know, yeah, he's got a lot of losses in the UFC... You know, he's got a lot of wins in, in the UFC as well, and, and this is a guy who not a whole lot of hype on him, a real meat-and-potatoes kind of kind of grappler. Uh, not not an exciting name, not a guy that's ever going to headline a pay-per-view, but, uh, you know, he's, he's a tough fight, and 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 he takes on tough fighters. So, you know, like you said with Hamzat, sometimes shit doesn't go your way when you take on good fighters. Unfortunately, he got knocked out in 17 seconds by Hamzat Jemaev, but he's not fighting Hamzat here. He's fighting Stoltzfus, who, you know, is a C-level prospect as far as I'm concerned. He needs a win here to keep his job 2 fight losing streak uh, in the UFC to Dawkins and uh, Adolfo Vieira. So, really needs a win here. I don't think he's going to get it. I'm going to go GM3 uh, round two submission win. All right. Uh, moving on uh, in the bantamweight division, we have Houni Barcelos taking on Victor Henry. Barcelos 16 and 2, Henry 21 and 5. We'll take a look at the odds on this one. Barcelos, very heavy favorite, minus 350. Have to completely agree. I, I have never heard of Victor Henry, uh, Victor Henry uh, until now. He's making his UFC debut here at, uh, at 34. Uh, he's a uh, very active fighter on the regional scene. Uh, he's got one win that I've heard of over uh, Kyler Phillips, a split decision win back in CXF uh, in 2018. So that's a nice little win on the regional scene, certainly. But uh, uh, I really like County Barcelos. I think Barcelos is a, gr- is a really good fighter. Uh, I thought he won that fight against Timor-Veliv. I thought that was insane that he lost that fight to Timor-Veliv back in June. And this was a guy who was on a like a 10 fight winning streak i think he was like 5-0 6-0 in the ufc and if he would have beaten timor Faleev, you know i really thought he might have got a ranked fight uh i, I still want to see how many barcelos fight somebody in the rankings i mean i i really think he's a good a good fighter but he's just the bantamweight division is so deep and so stacked and so top heavy and so hard to move up that i don't think he's ever going to get a, a true shot uh, in the UFC, and he's 34. So the time, the time really is now for Howney Barcelos. So I think against a guy in, in Victor Henry, who's making his debut, who nobody knows, I think I think Barcelos needs to send a message. Like I, I think he needs to fuck him up. I think he needs to fuck Victor Henry up in the first round and like really have a statement win. Because you know, if if you just get a really nice, if you just get a really nice, fairly convincing decision victory over victor henry it does nothing for you i mean this guy's career is just going nowhere fast which is so unfortunate because it's not his fault you know what i mean but it's like man i i really feel like this guy is capable of a lot more uh and i think he messes victor henry up i really think he does i think he's he's going to finish him in round one or round two i mean there's levels to this game and uh you know how many barcelos is several levels above victor henry a very unheralded unknown fighter um I kind I kind of view him like I view uh, Alessio Zaleski dos Santos a couple of years ago, where he was on like a really really good streak and just managed to go nowhere in in the welterweight division, and then he lost a couple of fights, lost to like Muslim Salakov uh, and like Lee Jianling maybe. Um, but uh, I really like Hany Barcelos, and he definitely he definitely won that Team lead fight uh all right moving on got a heavyweight fight here justin toffa and harry hunsucker one of the worst names uh of all time uh we'll take a look well toffa's four and three hunsucker seven and four uh we'll look at the odds here toffa the minus three 15 favorite that's good enough for me that's good enough for me i'll go justin toffa round one ko i don't think anything about either of those fighters they're everything you hate in in a heavyweight fight uh super unathletic uh morbidly obese people with not a whole lot of technique who all they have is just a power a power hook and an overhand um so just super super low level heavyweight mma and uh you know i'll I'll go justin toffa very uninterested in this fight all right, moving on to the uh, flyweight division. We'll have Sajara Eubanks taking on Melissa Gatto. Eubanks, 7-6. and Gatto, 7-0-2. Oh, we'll take a look at the odds for this one. Eubanks, only going to be the minus 170 favorite uh, in this one. Uh, Eubanks, a really, really hard fighter to try to figure out where she's at uh, because somebody who does not have a pretty record... Uh, you know goes on these you know small winning streaks and then you know we'll follow that up with a small losing streak and just kind of goes back and forth. Um, it's 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 kind of funny when you look at the U- when you look at her time in the UFC. She started off by going on a two fight winning streak with wins over Murphy and Mataferi. She then goes on a two fight losing streak against Aspen Ladd and Betch Gohea. Then she goes on a two-fight winning streak, beating Sarah Morris and Julia Avila. Then she goes on a two-fight losing streak against Kaitlin Vieira and Pani Kianzad. She won her last fight against Elise Reed. So she's gonna win against Melissa Gatto. I I think she's gonna win. She's she's gone two and two, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You know, by this logic, she's due for yet another win, and then you know, in the fight after this one, she'll lose so that's good that's good enough for me you know you know one of the things that human beings are born with is is pattern recognition you know it's it's a very uh you know crucial skill when you're trying to spot uh you know a jaguar from the uh from the shrubs or you know trying to spot a lion or or a snake you know pattern recognition saves lives you know it's something innate in all of us and you know far be it for me to deny my human nature by noticing uh, a very clear pattern here in the UFC so I gotta go with this pattern I mean it only makes me human to 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 pick this one so you know I don't really know a whole lot about Melissa Gatto I know she's been on the sidelines for quite some time she was signed quite a long time ago by the UFC and and um has uh, has yet to uh oh actually she made her debut against uh Victoria Leonardo okay okay fair enough so she had a th- like a three-year layoff came back broke uh, leonardo's arm you know she looks like she's a fighter to, to watch out for i might even pick her in this fight um you know if if i didn't have pattern recognition and 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 saw that uh, pattern with eubank so Sajara so Ubank eubank sarge is in charge on this one and she's gonna win i don't know we'll go by decision all right moving on we're in the featherweight division Charles air Jourdain taking on Andre Ewell. Jourdain 14 excuse me 11 four and one Andre Ewell, 17 and eight Jourdain is the uh, minus 180 favorite although uh, Andre Ewell has a win over former pound for pound King Henan Barrau I don't know I don't know if you knew that but uh you know this guy's the real deal because he beat uh he beat Henan Barrau so that's, that's you know, that's fascinating. Um, he is on a two-fight losing streak, though, so that's not uh, super great for Andre Ewell. He's a tough guy. He definitely fought with a real bad injury in that fight um, against Jonathan Martinez, where he won via split decision, one of the worst decisions in UFC history. So really, he's lost four of his last five and, and five of his, of his last seven if uh, we're not in crack-smoking land, if we're in, you know, if we if we're... If we have two feet on the ground in the real world, we know Andre Ewell has lost four of his last five. Um, Jourdain just not that good of a fighter. Not that good of a fighter. Um, came to the UFC with a little bit of hype, a, little, you know, a moderate amount of hype, and then his career has just been real weird, man. Two wins, three losses, and one draw in the UFC. Has a nice knockout win over Duho Choi, a nice knockout win over Marcelo Rojos, but... Um I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I guess I'm gonna go Jordan on this one by uh by decision, cause Ewell's uh a, a tough guy to finish. He's gonna be taller. He's gonna have a seven inch reach advantage. So that's, you know, certainly uh interesting. Andre Ewell's got the longest arms I've ever fucking seen in my entire life. He's like uh he's like Mister Steely from uh from Rick and Morty or whatever, that one guy who just steals pens and shit uh he's got he's got the long he's got the extendo arms so you know i i don't know i don't know i hesitate to make a pick on this one because i know i'll be wrong because it's just one of those that's gonna fuck up my percentages but uh i gotta do it and i guess i gotta go gun to the head don't know why you're putting a gun to my head but i'll go uh charles air Jourdain all right moving on third to the last fight on the prelims uh Raquel Pennington taking on Macy Chasson in the uh featherweight division Pennington 12 and 8 Chasson 7 and 1 we'll take a look at the odds uh Pennington is going to be the minus 175 favorite it's really really weird that they're fighting at 145 it's really weird that they're fighting in a made up division i don't know how they can fight in a void so that's that's interesting that they're allowing them to have a catchweight fight at 145 because that's uh, that's not a division in the in the UFC. That's not a that's not a division. That's a sham of a division made up. Uh, you know, in in, in a, it's a figment of our imagination. It's a fig Newton of our imagination. Um, yeah. So that's that's kind of weird that they're fighting uh, a sanctioned fight in a in a weight class that doesn't exist. But you know that's a that's a topic for uh, another time. Uh, We have Pennington at number five in the bantamweight division, Chasson at uh, number 11. Uh, Chasson's really big, really big. Uh, She's 5'11". So I I think the the fact this fight is taking place in the made-up 145 division is really going to favor Macy Chasson because I would imagine she has quite the hard time fighting uh, down at 135 or, or at least making weight. Um, obviously she fought on the 145 season of uh, The Ultimate Fighter so uh, you know I, I like Macy Chasson I don't know what, what went wrong in that fight with Lena Lansberg, but uh, you know I've, I've liked her in her last couple of performances this is uh, clearly a, a step up uh, against Pennington but uh, yeah I don't I don't think a whole lot about uh, Raquel Pennington uh, it's kind of she, she's uh, in the same ilk maybe one tier down from Jermaine Durandamy and uh Holly Holm in terms of like annoying annoying fighters at least career-wise not like personally or anything but like fighters that just won't go away that keep taking like main events and like keep taking spots on the roster to have boring fights you know she's she's like that so um it's really going to be a litmus test on Macy Chasson. I mean, we really are dialed in on where Raquel Pennington is. She, you know, she lost to Nunes, Durandeau and Holly Holm, wins over Aldana, Renault and uh, Kianzad. Like we we know where she's at. She's she's uh, a second tier fighter, you know. She'll always lose to tier 1 fighters and she'll always beat fighters below her. So, she's very very consistent in where she's at, so uh, you know Whatever the result is here, I think is going to speak volumes about Macy Chasson. Um, let's take a look at the stats here. Maybe that can persuade me to go one way uh, or another. Chasson going to have a 4-inch height advantage. She's going to have a 4.5-inch um, reach advantage. Striking, it's pretty high level for her. Uh, 4.16 significant strikes landed per minute, uh, 2.17 on the defense. You know, I'll I'll go with the upset here. I'll go with the upside. I'll go with a younger fighter. uh, And and I'll go with Macy Chasson by uh, unanimous decision. Uh, Especially if she can keep her distance and just fight at a range against Pennington, who's probably going to want to either take her down uh, or certainly clinch. I mean... We all saw that very fun clinch fight she had with Holly Holm. So, uh, I hope that's not the case. And, uh, if, if it isn't, then, uh, I'll certainly favor, uh, Macy Chasson by, uh, unanimous decision. Uh, all right, two more to go. We got Dontel Mays taking on Josh Parisian in the heavyweight division. Dontel Mays is eight and four, Parisian 14 and four. Uh, Mays is a heavyweight, Parisian is not. So, uh... Or no, am I thinking of a different guy? I'm thinking of a different guy. My apologies. Parisian weighs 262 pounds. He is definitely a heavyweight. Never mind. Who the hell was I thinking of? I think I was thinking of the guy Parisian fought on the Contender Series. Oh, yeah. Chad Johnson or whatever his name is. Never mind. Parisian's definitely a heavyweight. That is my bad. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds here. Maze is going to be the minus 200 uh, favorite. Uh, you know that's a little out there I'm not so sure about that one Dantel Mays long road to the UFC although he's only uh, 29 uh, years old came to the UFC and was welcomed by uh, Cyril Gaughan got to make his debut against Cyril Gan. Uh lost his next fight to uh, Rodrigo Nascimiento and then uh, a win over uh, Roque Martinez so boring that uh, you know it's making me fall asleep uh, on air here um Josh Parisian uh, had that split decision win over Roque Martinez, so I guess, you know, they're they're both pretty much at the same level. Fuck it, I'll go Dantel Mays. You know, I don't know, maybe he's got more power. He's the bigger fighter, longer reach, taller. Um, but yeah, yeah, stats are pretty similar. Yeah, we'll go Dontel Mays for no profound reason. Running out of steam here. Uh, all right, we've finally reached the prelim opener. It's going to be between Matt Sales and Jordan Levitt. Levitt eight and one, Sales eight and three. Levitt's the minus one twenty-five favorite. Definitely going Jordan Levitt here. Definitely going the Monkey King. Twenty-six years old. He lost his last fight to Claudio Puyas. Um Murdered Matt Wyman in twenty-two seconds with that uh, grotesque slam on his head and neck. Uh, only 22 seconds to get him out of there. I don't know a whole lot about Matt Sales, although he has been in the UFC for, for uh, you know, a handful of years. Uh, only three fights in uh, about four years. Uh, uh, two losses. Lost last via twister to Bryce Mitchell in 2017. So quite the layoff. I like Jordan Levitt. Uh, he's a he's a funky dude and a very dangerous guy, evidently, as as we saw by the slam. So. I'll go Jordan Levitt to uh, finish him. I think he'll finish him. Uh, I'm not going to say how. Uh, I'd say it's equally as possible knockout and submission, but uh, he'll, he'll get the finish. I'll go in round one because it's quite the layoff. All right. Well, with that, uh, we've reached the end of the preview. Uh, be sure to leave a five-star on whatever platform you're listening uh, to, the, to this podcast on Got to check out the website NorthStarSports.media. Updated rankings, uh, and they'll be updated um, Saturday night, late Saturday afternoon, because it is an early card. So we'll we'll definitely have the rankings. Don will have the year end awards uh, as well, which we'll we'll tweet out uh, and put on the website. Uh, But you can follow me on Twitter at OwenElyMn. The website uh, or the uh, the uh, account, excuse me, at NorthStarMin. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, everybody.